Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham, with a special post-debate edition of the podcast featuring our very own John McCormick. And so, John, we start off with the key question, who won the sixth Republican debate? Uh, Who won overall? That's a great question. Um, I think the most important thing that happened in the debate was that uh, you know, Cruz finally stood up to Trump. You know, he directly took him on. Uh, you know, uh, Donald Trump could basically say anything about any issue, take any liberal position, and Donald Trump wouldn't say anything other than that, uh, or Cruz wouldn't say anything other than that Donald Trump was terrific. And, you know, he finally had to respond, and I think that he definitely, um, you know, he was forceful. He was very persuasive. I think he really uh, did put the whole birther issue to rest. The question about his Canadian citizenship it was. Uh, a masterful lawyerly job of uh, you know, making the argument and deconstructing uh, uh, Trump's position on that. So I think that was important. I think what, what Cruz has to really be wary of now is the fact that now that the fight has been joined, um, he can't really let up or he has to be ready to respond um, as necessary. He can't kind of play off every uh, Trump slight with a, a goofy video on Twitter as he's tried to do the last couple of times to de-escalate the situation. If, as I suspect, that uh, Trump is going to uh, let Cruz uh, have it these next two weeks going into Iowa. Uh, But I do think it was important for Cruz to respond, uh, just being on the ground in Iowa last week. um, It it did seem that uh, Trump's attacks are having some effect. I think that's been borne out in the polls, uh, where Trump's like four people. Four-point lead has been basically uh, completely uh, diminished. Uh, Trump's basically back on top by less than a point right now. My Twitter feed was full of people talking about how Ted Cruz did, and I think that is important. I think that he did well, but I was interested in how Donald Trump did. There are a couple times that Donald Trump looked mortal. He looked like a guy who could be beaten in a debate in a way that mattered. And uh, did I see that right, that Ted Cruz fought Donald Trump to a standstill, and as a result, uh, Cruz looked bigger and Trump looked smaller? He did, but it happened early and it didn't happen often, so I'm not sure how much that will translate in terms of uh, the the voters out there who actually watch this debate. I definitely thought that happened in the citizenship question. Um, You know, there's some real uh, mixed opinions on whether the New York values – attack made uh, was a good idea for Cruz. I think he definitely explained what he meant. He meant he was talking about social issues and all these different issues. I think a lot of people from the Northeast, from New York, or with great affinity in New York, really um, thought that Trump's line talking about 9-11 uh, was, was very powerful. Obviously, you know, Cruz was not referring to you know, 9-11 uh, first responders, people who the whole city that suffered through 9-11, he was talking about the social values, the, you know, the, the, the economic values. Um, but I do think that was a mistake. He would have been much better off from the get-go just talking about Donald Trump's uh, specific policy positions, um, which, you know, he's ignored for six months and said that, and that Trump's terrific and he's ignored them uh, since then. But I think that he does really need to go hard after Trump if Trump comes after him, as I suspect he will in the next couple of weeks. Well, as somebody who has uh, grown up in South Carolina but lived in the Northeast for many years, 
uh, I will just tell you that there is nothing too negative that you can say about New York when it comes to Republican primary voters. So uh, my advice to Cruz would be keep ladling it on. The uh, Northeastern Corridor press won't like it, but uh, the uh, primary voters will eat it up. Uh, what about the rest of the field, and in particular, uh, Marco Rubio? Did he uh, add uh, any uh, points to his uh, pile? Did he add any, pick up any marbles? I would think on net, probably. I mean, uh, I don't know how the, it was. He was definitely more forceful, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a bit of me might even say an angrier Rubio at the beginning of the debate going after Obama. I think he made a point to talk about how we need to be talking about how Obama's a problem and in terms of foreign policy and fiscal policy and guns and really laying it hard on Obama before he sort of opened up on both Christie and Cruz later in the debate. I'm not quite sure um, how that exchange with Christie really went. I think that on, on sort of the, the style, uh, I think they probably fought each other to a draw, but I do think that Christie's really opened up some real vulnerabilities for himself by basically not telling the truth. Um, on whether he supported Sonia Sotomayor, whether he gave a donation to Planned Parenthood in the past. I think he would have been much better off um, if Christie had just told the truth and explained himself and, and did, didn't diminish his, uh, his straight-talking, authentic uh, persona. I think that was, that was really the big mistake by Christie tonight, really the first misstep, I think, of his uh, comeback that he's been experiencing over these past few months where these uh, untrue statements that he has made about the past. I think that, you know, if Christie had a better sense of the pro-life movement, he would know that many of the leaders of the pro-life movement are people who were on the other side of the issue, who some of them uh, were doctors who performed abortions. Some of them are women who've had abortions and the pro-life movement does not hold it against converts for coming around. And so for him to just say that that didn't happen when it clearly did, according to his quote from 1994, that was a mistake. And I think uh, he could have just explained the Sotomayor thing by saying, I believe that the president is going to get their Supreme Court justice through having a two-year-long fight uh, to get somebody other than Sotomayor really isn't worth it because he can't stop it. I mean, there's, there's real arguments he made in favor of what Christie did and what he said in the past. Um, so I don't think that dishonesty really helped him there. And I think that over the next few days that that's going to hurt him. Um, but, you know, he was he was forceful in responding to Rubio. Uh, there was that his probably harsh best moment against Rubio was when he, you know, he, he sort of put him down and saying that Marco had had his chance to answer on entitlements, but chose to talk about uh you know, taxes and said so is basically sort of a be quiet, Marco. You had your chance. You blew it. Um, was Christy. I, I think that was probably pretty good on his part. Um, as for the Cruz Rubio exchanges, I don't really know. You know, th those were also a, a mixed bag. You know, Cruz was, was very strong at times, um, but Rubio had his sort of rat a tat uh, list of Cruz's flip flops there at the end, which was also pretty powerful. Um, I don't know, again, if, if people had gone to bed by that point, you know, it was <laughs> after 11 p.m. So, you know, we'll see how things play on the next uh, couple of weeks. Uh, Chris Christie needs to remember that if there's room for Donald Trump in the pro-life movement, there's certainly room for him. <laughs> and uh, you know, so Donald Trump has availed himself of that opportunity. Uh, I think uh, Marco Rubio would have benefited by one fewer five-hour energy drinks before the debate started. At times, he seemed rushed, almost panicked, almost desperate, and that was that hurt him. Get uh, uh, and which is a shame because he had some well-crafted answers and made some really good points. And you wonder if we're going to hear this conversation about the VAT tax going forward. But uh, back to the beginning, and notice 
uh, John, that we haven't even mentioned John Kasich or Jeb Bush. And I'm always happy not to mention Jeb Bush. Uh, should we mention them for any reason? Uh, you know, John Kasich, I think he was really, I mean, on one, one sense, he was, in one sense, he was a non-factor in the debate. Um, uh, on the other hand, you know, he is pulling, you know, right in the pack with all the other candidates like Bush and Christie and Rubio uh, in New Hampshire. So he's got, you know, 10, 10% or thereabouts. And, you know, whether he stays in or decides to get out before New Hampshire, I think that's a big deal. I don't know if he real i mean my thought basically is that bush and Kasich both have a small chance of coming in second place in new hampshire edging out christie and rubio but they don't really have a path after that you know jeb bush's favorable favorability rating on that is minus eight percentage points uh trump's is something like plus 30 rubio is higher than that and cruz is even higher than that so i just don't see how trump or how Bush thinks that if he gets into a three-way race with, say, Trump and Cruz, somehow the candidate with the negative favorability rating is going to defeat both of the candidates with the very strong favorability rating among Republicans. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, I don't think that there's really a plausible argument for how he would end up winning that three-way race. I think he's basically still in at this point to save face and to at least make it through uh, New Hampshire and, and see what happens. Uh, but uh, back to the key point here, nothing happened tonight to change anything for Bush or uh, Kasich or Ben Carson, other than Ben Carson had yet another disappointing per debate performance that undermined the premise that he's ready to be president of the United States. Yeah, maybe Ben Carson's worst debate performance. You know, he, he, had, he had put in any sort of lackluster, low-key uh, debates in the, in the first couple First couple of the debates in sword, but and then after <laughs> you know the you know the Paris attack, um, after San Bernardino, I, I mean I don't think that people are really comfortable with him being commander in chief, and I don't see anything that he said today that turned things around. You know, Bush, to his credit, he was very good um, on trade. He was explaining how how a trade war with China would end up sending you know, jobs that would hurt soybean farmers in Iowa and Boeing workers in South Carolina. He was very good, very persuasive. And you got a classic Trump response being like, yeah, they, China, the Chinese also, you know, the, we don't need a, a weak leader in America dealing with the Chinese. And, and Bush has sort of had this soft, oh, come on, man, uh, <laughs> response, which, you know, I mean, the, the theater of it all shouldn't matter this much, but it, it does. And um, I, I don't think that Bush had a, had a very good night overall. Uh, so where do we go from here? Do you see uh, the Cruz-Trump battle kind of dominating the media conversation, uh, or do you see uh, the you know Rubio working his way into that fight as well? And is the, do you see any uh, angle, any opportunities, any open doors for anybody else to try to f sort of fight their way into the top tier? Well, I mean, I think we're probably heading to a four-person race with uh, – you know, Rubio, Christie, uh, and, and Cruz and Trump, mm -hmm. I think for the next two weeks, though, we're going to have, it's going to be all Cruz and Trump because those two candidates are deadlocked in Iowa. And unless there's some real movement, uh, by Rubio in the back of the pack, getting closer to them. Um, I think that's going to be really the, the, the big debate. Obviously the other candidates are going to be trying to get in there and New Hampshire comes quickly after that. But, you know, really the question is if, if Trump wins Iowa, you know, I think that everyone, you know, there's, there's sort of all these two clever by half 
thought, uh, you know, comments by establishment Republicans that, well, it's actually better if Trump wins Iowa because that wounds Cruz and then it gives a, you know, it's an establishment candidate like Christie or Rubio or, or Bush a chance to make a comeback. I think that's completely wrong. If you don't wound <laughs> Trump early on, I mean, he's, he's up by double digits in New Hampshire. He's up by double digits in, in South Carolina. He is up big time in the South. He's drawing right. massive, massive, multi-thousand person rallies in Alabama and in the Gulf Coast in Florida. And I think if you don't take the wind out of, you know, Trump in the beginning in Iowa, you know, as he as he's been saying, I might run the table. He might be right if that's the case. If he, if if he isn't proved uh, to be uh, invincible. Um, so I, I don't know, but I could also see Trump losing Iowa and then still racking up a victory in New Hampshire. But the, the best hope for winnowing the field, I think, is for you know Trump to end up losing Iowa, even if that means that Cruz is, um, get, gets a bounce out of that. I think that establishment Republicans are crazy uh, to think that it's in their interest to have Trump win Iowa. You, you could have stopped that sentence at establishment Republicans are crazy. And that would have yeah. kind of wrapped up this election cycle thus far. John yeah, McCormick, thanks for joining us for a late night post-debate a reaction podcast here at The Weekly Standard. We appreciate it. Thank you. You've been listening to The Weekly Standard podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.